What's good, friends? List episode 77 of the Game Pass. Gamecast coming at you. Cyberpunk 2077 is out in the wild, and the discussion surrounding the game has been anything but unanimous. From the completely disastrous and frankly unplayable state that the console version of the game was shipped in, to the poor communication between CD Projekt Red and its consumers, and the complete debacle of refunding those who felt the desire to do so, it's not been the launch many envisioned for the famed Polish developer's next massive open world title. But the conversation many are struggling the most with is the game itself a disappointment. So, this week, we try to answer that very question and what the road ahead looks like for CD Projekt Red. Is the base gameplay strong enough to invest the time that many expected the game to demand? Will CD Projekt Red have retained the trust in its fan base by the time the next Witcher installment releases? And at the same time begs the question, is this the most disastrous launch in modern video game history for a game of this scale? Plus, the initiative's first project has been revealed, and with it comes the return of Joanna Dark in the Perfect Dark franchise. But is rebooting an established IP the right move for a new studio's initial project? And does the Perfect Dark IP have the weight to potentially be a tentpole franchise for Microsoft? Also, new Resident Evil 8 info has leaked, leading to new screenshots of the upcoming horror title to be officially released by Capcom. Does the Resident Evil franchise have the bandwidth to cover multiple styles of titles such as franchises like Mario and Zelda? All of this and much more on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week, all the rigmarole you know, wherever you get a podcast at, do all that jazz. And follow us on Twitter at... GPGC podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, aka Travelus, on most internet platforms. Joining me, as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peepack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And I was trying to think of something different to ask you because I don't want to ask you, oh, what have you been playing? Because we get into that eventually. You know, we always fucking get into that. But one thing I fucking thought of, which I'm real excited for this weekend. Because I'm hoping we get fucking codes for it. We should be getting codes for it. How excited are you for fucking Back for Blood? I'd I'd really love to give that game a sort like give that game a a swirly fucking nerd. That just reminds uh, me of the fucking workaholics episode where they go literally. undercover as high schoolers <laughs> and they walk in. Adam sees it's uh Adam sees it's what's his name Blake and he's like oh no we. We don't need to beat that guy up. We can just yell at him a little bit or whatever. <laughs> and there's like, no, we got to get this nerd. And he's like, what about a swirly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yes. Back for blood, man. I'm fucking hyped for that. Go ahead. I would I would really love to get to give that game a little bit of a of a go before it's it's full release, just because I think that I would really I think we would really enjoy it. And I mean, it's a thing where I wish 
I hope that if one of us gets a code, more than one of us gets a code, because like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll play it on my own, but it would be a lot more fun to play with you guys also. Oh yeah, but, definitely. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm just ex- super excited to, you know, get to play the spiritual successor of Left 4 Dead, because the Left 4 Dead franchise is something that, mm-hmm. you know, I have been in love with for a very long time and i spent a lot of time playing it so i would love to give it a give it a shot uh everything i've seen thus far in the gameplay trailer and even in like um even in uh you know like the cinematic trailer and everything it looks like they're kind of checking all the right boxes for me to really enjoy it and and spend a lot of time playing it so Mm -hmm. i am excited hopefully they let us get our hands on it and you know let us let our our dirty ass hands get in on that and see what we can uh See, we can conjure up in that game. It looks like it's going to be really sweet. I love the, uh, I love pretty much everything about it. Um, aiming down sights is, I mean, I guess it's just something that like we're to that time where like if the game doesn't have that, like mm-hmm. it's it's a bad thing. It's no longer like oh, only Call of Duty can aim down sights. It's like no, every game does that. So mm-hmm. I would prefer it if it was a little bit more like Left 4 Dead, but. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it, it looks pretty much like it. I'm I'm pumped to give it a shot. Yeah, and, and the one thing that keeps sticking out to me, like, from the gameplay reveal and watching it back a couple of times, um, being one of the games that, that I don't want to say was revealed at the Game Awards because it's been a known thing. You know, Turtle Rock came out, hey, we're, you know, we're doing our own thing now. We're doing a, and I believe this was, fuck, maybe 2018? Maybe even before that. I think I can't remember, um, but it's been a while. It's been a couple of years since they announced, Hey, we're going out on our own. We're doing our own thing. You know, we're doing all intents and purposes. We're doing left for dead because valve isn't doing left for dead. And they didn't say it like this, but clearly, Hey, they're not doing it. You know, we've had massive success as a studio making that, fra- making that franchise. We want to continue doing that. We want to give the fans what they want since Valve basically isn't doing that. They didn't say that, but that's clearly what's going on. They know they can make money off of this. Um, And with WB publishing it, you know, them getting the financing from them, clearly alone, if WB thinks that their assets are worth $4 billion right now, they got the cash to throw around to be able to, you know, throw money to Turtle Rock to make the kind of game that they want. And realistically speaking, I don't want to say, oh, that's not hard. It's not hard to make a game like this. They have the foundation already so set with and so and done so well that, you know, it's just really building that out, obviously building it in, I would imagine, a new engine. They're going in and they're updating that, making it relevant again, you know, taking what they had with the source engine, I'm sure. And I'm not sure. Maybe they did keep the source. I'd like to find that out, actually, one day, see what this game is running on. But I would I would imagine probably their own engine at this point, unless Valve gave them the green light since source is pretty much like anybody could fucking use it as it is. Um, yeah. But so who knows, but you know, them going in saying, Hey, we're doing this game and whatnot. And that was a couple of years ago. So to see that game kind of be re revealed almost, or shown for the first time for sure, but brought back into the attention of people. I wasn't even expecting it. Like I, I was like, Holy shit. Like, and the fact that they showed a cinematic, I was like, okay, cool. That's all we're getting. Like just to give this, you know, proof of concept type of thing, yada, yada. Okay. Then they went into gameplay which was like me. I was like, holy fuck. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to have a closed alpha. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's cool to see that that game is so far along and it shows you like, like I was saying, they had such a solid foundation for how many years now with left for dead that it's like, so not to interrupt you, but in the, in the FAQ section for the game on the website, it looks like unreal engine four is what they are using for this. Well, I mean, Christ almighty unreal, 
the Unreal Engine in general, especially Unreal Engine for the, I don't want to say the newest iteration because five is now out, but in terms of, hey, this is the proven commodity for especially this last generation of games, that shit's so fucking flexible that, you know, they're, I'm sure they're very confident in making this game on that. But so rebuilding basically that base again and whatnot, but that's, it's just tried and true. They have it down to a, a science by Left for Dead 2. I mean, at that point, it was down to a science. So um, in general, that that was probably my biggest hype moment from the game awards probably um i know we're not really talking about that right this second but uh that game man i'm just i really hope it's one of those games that they started sending codes out on the 15th for the for the closed beta but they said it's not going to be all at once like they're staggering it there's groups like they said it sounds like the majority of people will get in they said not everybody but it sounds like the large majority of people who if you registered early on you know, or you registered within the first day or two, you're, you're, it sounds like you're going to be good, like first come, first serve type of thing. So I'm really excited to jump into that. Outside of that, Mike, we're hyped on that. What do you, what have you been playing? I guess. Um, for me, I mean, it's just been, I've been mixing in some more Halo because there's a little bit of a content update. So I was giving that a little shot. Um, I actually got back onto the cookie dough of Counter-Strike Global Offensive. I've been playing some of that. <laughs> I actually played a ranked game of Valorant not too long ago, uh, yesterday. And then I also have Rainbow Six Siege updated and ready to rock because I just realized that, like, some of these games I haven't played on my brand new computer yet. So you gotta I wanted to give that run, a shot. Right? Yeah, you yeah. gotta give them a test run. You gotta get those benchmarks. See just how it feels. Like, that's yep. hands down, not to interrupt you, but... That is, as I've been upgrading my computer the past, like, you know, throughout this past year, like, I got a new processor and upgraded RAM and stuff like that um, earlier this year. And then I got my new uh, 2070 Super that, like, the same exact, I'm pretty sure it's the same exact card you have. Um, mm -hmm. And testing all of the stuff out. Like, I love just re-downloading games. Granted, thank God I don't have a fucking cap on my data because last month with fucking next gen consoles coming out and upgrading all of my computer stuff i fucking went through an ass ton of data like asininely a, a stupid amount of data but going in and being able to check in like when i hopped on uh and i'll let you finish in a second but when i hopped on i wanted to just see how the witcher 3 ran uh when i first popped that in and i popped it on and i go in and it's at like you know 45 it's at like 45 uh 45 frames per second i'm like fuck i i think i fucked something up like like maybe with you know i had something wrong when i was installing my graphics card even though that's like the easiest fucking part of building a computer i'm like you know what the fuck is going on so i like popped in the settings here it was automatically trying to do 4k so i was like oh like it max settings i'm like okay that would make sense <laughs> so, yeah like oh that's why it's not running right <laughs> yeah but no continue i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you no no you're good um so yeah i mean i've just been kind of mixing it up a little bit and i started getting i mean me and my brother have been playing a lot more of age of empires too so uh -huh. getting some builds down in that and still having a lot of fun because i've been seeing a lot of progress just as far as like when i'm actually taking the time to learn new builds and putting them in and perfecting them uh i've just been having a lot of fun with that so uh -huh. been mixing it up a whole heck of a lot recently uh -huh. um so you know, just keeping it fresh, keeping it new, except for Halo 3. Yeah, well, naturally. I mean, that's always going to be, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing, you know. Yep. Um, on my end, I mean, we're going to obviously 
talk about it. If you're seeing the title of the show, you're probably going to know what I've been playing. Um, I've been playing a decent amount of Cyberpunk 2077. Definitely not as much as I thought, but we'll get into that. I want to save that discussion for, you know, the portion, our big topic of the show this week, um, where we'll dive into that a little bit. But, you know, outside of that, it's still been in terms of, you know, the games of service or, you know, rotating carousel of games that I'll play, you know, between us and Adam and, you know, everybody in our friend group, you know, still been jumping in. I finally bit the bullet and bought the battle pass for Fortnite because I was like, well, fuck, I already spent, you know, whatever it was on to get the Master Chief skin because I'm a fucking Stan. Uh, and I was like, I, they, they pulled me back in. If there's one thing that they could, you know, to get me to jump back into Fortnite and play it, not semi-regularly, but at least jump in. They did, they started doing Star Wars again, which I was like, fuck, I'm tempted, I'm tempted. And you get you get the Mandalorian skin with the Battle Pass. So I was like, no, not yet, I'll wait. If I if I see I'm playing this regularly, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe do it. I'll give the eight bucks or whatever. But then, you know, we heard about Kratos coming in. Then the screenshots started leaking a Master Chief, and then he dropped last week, and I was like... Fucking fine. All right, here's like $15. Just fucking do it. Give me the battle pass. Give me the fucking skin. We'll just fucking do it. So I went in. I did that because I have been playing semi recently. It, it's like the it's it's the thing that I always kind of talk about with battle royales, but specifically Fortnite that it's so and, and, and Apex to a degree does this really well, too. Um, but you see the battle royales that are succeeding in, you know, that space that is so overcrowded. It's the ones that you could jump in and out so easily that if you drop in uh, and I just like we've talked about before, I just fucking hot drop anymore. Like instantly. It's like now granted with Fortnite, they have quests and things now that you could do to get XP and which I like that adds more, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, versatile or you know, versatility or whatever you want to call it to the map and you know how you play the game it, it shakes things up every now and then. it's not just monotonous but um what is nice is you know somebody like me who just hot drops who wants to focus on you know getting in more gunfights because that's the only way you're going to get better playing that stuff so getting in and doing that you know it's so nice that when okay the one time it doesn't you know I, hey i get killed or whatever boom instantly out you just instantly re-up you're ready to go you're back in a game in 60 seconds so, like, you know, it's it's that perfect game to, oh, shit, I have 20 minutes in between when I finish up, if I'm working from home that day, you know, finish up stuff for working from home before, while, you know, I'm waiting on my fiance to finish getting showered or whatever before we eat. And I just want to play something just to kill some time. Cool, I'll jump in and do some of that. Um, but I've still been playing that a little bit. Um, looking at, I'm still playing a lot of PC stuff over my console, which is, you know, good, bad, and different, and I'm glad I did that with Cyberpunk, which we'll get into, but, uh, Molly and I have been playing Oxenfree still, um, it's been a good game for us to just kind of sit down, I'm enjoying it much more than she is, I think, uh, but she's, she's wanting to play it, she's wanting to see how it ends, and it's only like a four-hour game or something like that, so we're close to the end of it, um, but outside of that, I've been getting the itch to play CSGO again, and even Valorant. I did see you hop on Valorant. Uh, when was that? Yesterday or something like that. Uh, when I was working from home, I saw, I like looked at, glanced at Discord for a second, and I saw you, it was like playing Valorant. I'm like, what the fuck? And then instantly uh, I was like, uh, do I want to jump into Valorant when I'm done working? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I didn't, I didn't. So, uh, but I've been wanting to kind of get back into playing a shooter like that. And, you know, after Cyberpunk gets done, it's looking at, 
my backlog of stuff that it's like, man, I really have been wanting to play this. Usually around Christmas when, you know, we I from work we have like a paid week off or something like that and the university's closed and whatnot. I usually try to pick a beefier game to play through that I've been wanting to that I can have the time that cool, I'm off. I can just sit in front of my computer all day and play or whatever that I can commit to sitting down and playing it. I think I'm going to try to jump into Dragon Age after this or after Cyberpunk, I think, but we'll see. There's a lot. Plus, there's just random shit I want to play too. I want to play some Seven Days to Die. I want to play more Rainbow Six Three, more Rogue Spear that we've been playing and getting back into that, you know, so... Don't hear Adam... Don't let Adam hear that you want to play... Um... Seven days to die. No, he'll just he'll instantly. I mean, he is in this Discord, this Discord <laughs> server right now. He will jump in here at any moment. So, uh, yeah, we shouldn't say that too loud. It's like Bloody Mary. You say three name. You say her name three times fast. If you say seven days to die three times, he just pumps in. Dude, you want me to start up a server? Hey, we guys, <laughs> starting up a server. If you guys want to hop in. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, let's head into button mash for the week go over our quick hit stuff before we head into our big topics talk about cyberpunk and all that good stuff that you're sure wanting to hear so kicking it off here if you're eagerly anticipating overwatch 2 you're going to have to wait a few more months as overwatch director jeff kaplan confirmed an overwatch 2 update is scheduled for blizzcon online in february in a quick new developer update kaplan confirmed that overwatch fans will learn more about the upcoming sequel at BlizzCon Online, which takes place on February 19th through the 20th. The two-day event is an all-digital replacement for the company's annual BlizzCon, which is a typically or which is typically a live fan event in Anaheim, California. Epic Games has added a new limited time mode in Fortnite, and it's basically Among Us. <laughs> this limited time mode is called the Spy Within and features 10 players working together to determine who the two spies are in the match. Sound familiar? These two spies must try to eliminate other players without revealing their identities, and they must do so before the other eight players, the agents, determine who the spy is. Hmm. I feel like that sounds like something very familiar. A new report has learned that a viral video of a six-year-old child being banned from Call of Duty Warzone was faked by the boy's parents in an attempt to progress in a competition held by FaZe Clan. The extensive, er, the extensive PC Gamer investigation reveals that a video clip from Rowdy Rogan, the young Call of Duty streamer with 95,000 followers on Twitch, in which Rogan is seen to have his Warzone account banned, was scripted by his parents. This was all part of an attempt to create a viral video of Rogan, one of the tasks set as part of a FaZe Clan's Phase 5 competition. Vin Diesel... <laughs> Dominic Toretto has joined developer Studio Wildcard as an executive producer on Arc 2, the game he also stars in, which was announced at the Game Awards. As uh, detailed by The Hollywood Reporter, Diesel will act as a as quote president of Creative Convergence at Studio Wildcard, as well as playing the character Santiago. See, uh, my problem with that is just name him Dom Toretto at that point. Santiago <laughs> Toretto, like, Jesus, just name him that and just be like, oh, it's Dom's ancestor. We started racing dinosaurs back in the day, you know? So, anyways, he was described as a, quote, freedom fighter who also, or who will appear in Arc 2 and also Arc the Animated Series, which was also along, announced alongside the sequel during this year's Game Awards ceremony, as I said before. Assassin's Creed Valhalla's title update 1.1.0 will has arrived 
which arrived I think on like December 13th or something like that, and includes fixes for a lot of quest bugs and improves performance of the game on all platforms. As revealed by Ubisoft.com, title update 1.1.0 will fix over 30 quests, world events, and side activity issues that many are uh, many that player would prevent players from proceeding during uh, due to glitches and problems. Wonder Woman 1984 and Star Trek's Chris Pine is in talks to star in Paramount and E1's uh, Dungeons and Dragons feature film. As reported by The Hollywood Reporter, Spider-Man Homecoming's Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are set to direct the feature that is based on the popular role-playing game owned by Wizards of the Coast. Goldstein and Daly also wrote the latest version of the script that was based off a previous draft by Michael Gillio. No plot, uh, no plot details were given for this new Dungeons and Dragons movie, but it will be the first feature film based on the property since Jeremy Irons starred in New Line's adaptation in 2000. An agreement has been struck. This is pretty much a follow-up to what we already reported on before. An agreement has been struck that will see Electronic Arts EA acquire Codemasters for approximately or the approximate cost of $1.2 billion. The acquisition is expected to complete in the first quarter of 2021. At a price of $7.98 per share, EA outbid competitor Take-Two Interactive, which had previously submitted a near-billion-dollar offer. Quote, We feel this union would provide an exciting and prosperous future for Codemasters, allowing our teams to create, launch, and service bigger and better games to an extremely passionate audience, said Gerard Florian, chairman of Codemasters, in a statement. Announced during the Game Awards, Master Chief, like I was saying, is now available as a skin in Fortnite, and The Walking Dead's Daryl and Michonne will be added today, actually, December 6th, or no, yesterday. I'm getting my days confused. They're out right now. You can go pick them up in the shop. On, on the Halo side, in addition to a Master Chief skin, there's also a Gravity Hammer pickaxe, a UNSC Pelican Glider, and a little Warthog remote, which is actually pretty cute. He, he just sits in like a fucking Power Wheel style Warthog. It's pretty cool. What's more, a special limited time mode, this is the coolest part, hands down, Let will let players play Capture the Flag on a recreated version of Halo's iconic Blood Gulch map. The newest Elder Scrolls Online chapter has been announced called Gates of Oblivion and will be released sometime in 2021. The cinematic trailer shows uh, shows chanting coming from what appears to be a spellbook with a female wood elf having visions of a dark, ominous, and fire-filled tunnel. The book looks to be releasing the visions she's having through the cover and, uh, and a sudden view of a large demon creature appears over her as she prepares to fight with her bow. And then finally, too, Kojima Productions is celebrating the release of Cyberpunk 2077 in its own game, Death Stranding, with free content and an all-new hacking mechanic inspired by CD Projekt Red's own uh, open-world game. That new content is available now in the Windows PC version of Death Stranding through Steam and the Epic Game Store. Death Stranding's surprise new DLC includes cosmetic items like a Cyberpunk 2077-inspired, uh, really Akira-inspired, reverse trike vehicle, a new arm with Sam Bridges that model, uh, that's modeled after Johnny Silverhand's robotic arm, quote, several fashion items including Johnny sunglasses and new holograms. You can see those cosmetic uh, items in the trailer that they released today. So Mike, after all of that, anything stick out to you before we head into our big topics that you want to run back? All right. <laughs> Here it is. You know what? I am He's going to say it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm excited about the Fortnite stuff with Halo. Mm -hmm. That's all that's all well and good, but you know what I have to do? I have to do it. Hey, 
Zenimax, look at me in my eyes. Are you looking at me? <laughs> look at me in my scuba, vintage scuba gear. You know, when Zenimax, when Zenimax first came out <laughs> with the Elder Scrolls Online, mm-hmm. I was an early adopter. I bought mm-hmm. the game right away. Same. <laughs> so look at me in my eyes, Zenimax. And all the listeners out there, we really should be doing a we should really should be doing a video version of the show at this point. (laughs) Ideally, but (laughs) anyways, (laughs) look at me in my eyes. At first, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. (laughs) I'm fucking all in. I'm going to play this. I am going to play the living shit out of (laughs) an oblivion version of the Elder Scrolls online. If if only to say, hey, fuckers, like, make this game. Like, mm-hmm. remake Oblivion already. Like, we want it. We need it. Like, I want it. Like, stop making... Like, I don't want to play Skyrim on the Xbox One X or One or Series X or the PS5. I mm-hmm. just want to play an updated version of Oblivion, and that's it. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. No, 100%. I, I'm 100% with you. When I saw that, and I, I think I said it in our group chat, I was like... They just announced a Oblivion themed expansion for ESO. I was like, I, I had to send the Rick and Morty, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Like, just yeah. There's no question about it. I'm and I'm glad I actually I have it on console, but I picked it up and I had it on PC too. But and I think I was able to link everything together. But I picked it up on Steam for like five bucks or something during a sale or something like that. Um. So I reinstalled it. It's now installed. So I like want to play more ESO. Um, and I, but I think I only have up until like, and granted, this was like well over two years ago, whenever you, Adam and I were playing it, I know I at least had more wind and I think it was more as well. I can't remember, but I have, I have a couple of the expansions, but I'm like still pretty behind in terms of expansions that I would need to get it. But there's a 1000% chance I'm getting the oblivion expansion. Like no questions asked. Yeah, that's a no. That's a no-brainer. You just pull the trigger on that. You just fork over the money. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Mike, send to our big topics for this week, and clearly the biggest story in gaming this week. And I'm glad we waited because I didn't want to. It was it was too quick of a turnaround last week because we recorded a day early. Um, I'd yet to play it any cyberpunk i'm pretty sure because i recorded we recorded wednesday yeah and it went live at seven o'clock here i think so um so i had yet to play it i i had it pre-installed on my pc and everything like that i got to play it later that night um and i'll talk about my experience of it in a little bit but i'm glad we didn't talk about it because this past week in gaming has been just a fucking roller coaster of just I don't want to say like emotions, but of just picking this game apart in ways that I think people just didn't fully expect to see it. I mean, this is hands down one of the wildest launches of a game ever, both good and bad um, that I've ever seen easily. I mean, this divisive is one way to put it, but I would even say, I mean, it's just it's just such a mixed bag of what this game is, and I, I really want to talk about it. And I pulled a really good article that I think is going to set the tone for our conversation around it because I want to give my review of what I played so far after we talk about this. Um, 
or after I read this article and stuff, uh, it is kind of long, um, but it's, it's a really good piece by Jeff Grubb over at Venture Beat, Jeffy Grubb Grubb, um, as the ki- kind of funny best friends like to call him. Um, just fucking excellently lays out what just everything is going on with this game from somebody who reviewed the game, had an early copy, and was doing it in a critical fashion, and somebody who was also excited for this game. So I'm going to jump into it. He wrote an article titled CD Projekt Red Risks the Reputations of Others to Insulate Cyberpunk 2077. Like I said, this comes from Jeff Grubb over on Ventures Beat. Link in the description. Go and read that. I, I copied a large majority of this story to kind of set the tone for this. So, you know, still go over and read it, but just buckle in. It might be a little long, but it's all good info. Cyberpunk 2077 is out, and it's the only thing people can talk about. But while many people are playing and enjoying it, many others are encountering a game that is broken and buggy, especially on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Over the past week, developer CD Projekt Red has tried to apologize to fans, but in the process, it is often soured sentiment about the game and itself even more. And the company's actions reveal that it is willing to risk its own reputation, as well as the reputation of its partners and reviewers to isolate Cyberpunk's launch from fair criticism or further delays. As a reviewer with the benefit of hindsight, I feel duped and used by CDPR. And maybe the company didn't make a conscious choice to use the media to deceive fans, but that's what it feels like, especially in the light of the company's ongoing behavior towards partners like Sony and Microsoft and towards gamers themselves. It also feels in line with the company's recent history of transphobic and edgelord marketing. Last week, CD Projekt Red apologized to fans for failing to reveal the PS4 and Xbox versions during the promotional period of the game. But the studio did not give a reason for why it made that decision. And yet, it had clear motivation to only show Cyberpunk 2077 running on PC. The game is rough on PS4 and Xbox One due to bugs, but it also performs significantly worse. The apology feels weak. It's kind of the thing a company does when it's when it knows it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to be forthright about the state of its product. My immediate response when something like this happens is to lay responsibility with with consumers. We shouldn't spend money on things until we fully understand what they're buying. I still feel that way, but I think we should also acknowledge that CD Projekt Red took every step it could to ensure people felt informed without fully understanding the reality of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions. CD Projekt Red designed the Cyberpunk 2077 review process with the purpose of getting the best possible reviews while minimizing the media's opportunities to inform their audiences about the flaws. The media is complicit in this and must take its share for the blame, but Cyberpunk tw- or CD Projekt Red also minimized the opportunity for reviewers to understand what they were agreeing to take part in. As someone who reviewed Cyberpunk 2077, I should have been more skeptical. It's crucial, er, it's crucial to always examine how the marketing machine is trying to use the media. But throughout the process, CD Projekt Red presented Cyberpunk 2077 like any other normal review, without ever disclosing the experience we were getting on PC. Uh, we were getting on PC could feel materially different than the experience on consoles. Before Thanksgiving, CD CD Projekt Red's external PR firm reached out to inform the media that it was getting codes. Media could go to the website to request a code for PlayStation 4, Xbox Stadia, or PC. 
It's a simple process that had worked well in the past. So going into the long holiday, most people felt confident they were going to get a review code for the platform of choice. And I can abide there. I can back that up. A lot of, you know, we've worked with a handful of different PR companies to get codes for previews and things like that before. And it is very straightforward. It is very easy and very transparent. 99% of the time. So just wanted to back that up. It is usually very, very straightforward and clear. But back to Jeff Sargo, this is me. <laughs> but a few days later, CD Projekt Red's internal PR began reaching out to a much smaller pool of media. And this time, the deal is that you get a code if you plan to review on PC. This isn't abnormal. Cyberpunk 2077 review keys were in high demand, so it seemed like CDPR was, was trying to keep things quiet so it wouldn't upset the hundreds of people who would still have to wait for a code. But taken with everything else, this also feels like part of the manipulation, especially because my understanding is very few codes ever went out to people who requested them through the PR website. But by most other measures, the review embargo was normal. By the time we got the code, we had six days to play before the embargo expired for written reviews. That's not a lot of time, but that's not, but that's also not, it's not also unusual. And the written review had no stipulations attached to them. We could talk about any and all problems with the game, including bugs and crashes, but that unrestricted review or written review, there we go, embargo also feels like a diversion tactic. As part of written reviews, you could post a video, but you could only use CD Projekt Red's B-roll, their can-provided footage that they captured on their end and provided to them, just a little you know, sidebar. Now, generally, this also isn't too abnormal. Sony games come with embargoes that restrict what captured video you can use in, use in your content. It's more rare, however, that the review embargo prohibits the use of any captured footage and restricts use only to official B-roll. Typically, other companies will say, you can use footage from the beginning area only, or something to that effect. That should have raised red flags, but the video embargo also expired before the release of the game. And, as a site that primarily works in text, it wasn't something I thought about too much. I can only get so mad at CD Projekt Red. Yes, I feel like the studio tried to use me, as, use me to mislead people. But, it seems like a company acting desperately due to the pressures of running a publicly traded gaming studio. One of the true frustrations of capitalism is the uh, futility of punishing other people. What's the point if the system is going to remain the same? It's like whenever a character in a movie dismissive, dismissively says, it's just business. But that doesn't mean that we have to forget CDPR's behavior during the cyberpunk launch. It just, I just want to be realistic about the power I hold. And that's limited because I'm not interested in handing out pitchforks and torches. It's also limited because I'm not Sony and Microsoft. And I think those are the, uh, are the entities that CD Projekt Red might really have to answer to. CD Projekt Red threw those companies under the bus by revealing Cyberpunk 2077 was able to bypass final Xbox and PlayStation certification. This is for a game that launched with a scene that caused epileptic seizures. Developers know that they can get waivers to launch on console without final certification as long as they plan to fix issues by launch. But that's not something developers say out loud to gaming fans. Because what CD Projekt Red has just er, implied is that Microsoft and Sony are complicit by the way of inaction of releasing a game that could have injured vulnerable people. On top of that, as part of its apology, CD Projekt Red put the burden of refunds on Sony and Microsoft. The studio told customers to ask those companies to return the game. But this is not something CD, CDPR discussed or arranged with Sony or Microsoft. 
according to its emergency call with investors on Tuesday. Many people are reporting that Sony is denying refunds. Once again, in an effort to take heat off of the game, off of its game, CDPR looks like it's putting one of its partners into the crosshairs. So far, Microsoft and Sony haven't said much about CD Projekt Red or Cyberpunk. PlayStation support uh, customer support representatives are telling customers to wait for a patch. What finally convinced me to write this, however, was uh, GOG, good old games, the one of the subsidiaries of CD Projekt, backpedaling today on its plans to release the survival horror game Devotion. The game previously launched on Steam before the developer pulled it due to review bombing because it included a mild jab at Chinese President Xi Jinping. Earlier today, uh, which is actually from today, GOG with CD Projekt Red Group owns, uh, which, like I said, they're a subsidiary of CD Projekt Group, said that the game would come to its store. A few hours later, the company posted this on Twitter. Quote, earlier today, it was announced that the game Devotion is coming to GOG. After receiving many messages from gamers, we've decided not to list the game in our store. It's disappointing that yet another company is bowing to censorship pressure from China. But again, we live under capitalism. And, quote, don't talk about China is the understated rule in nearly every media company in the world. But what really stands out to me is how GOG phrase, uh, phrases its reasoning. Once again, quote, after receiving many messages from gamers, is how the tweet reads. Once again, a CD Projekt group uh, beefs something, and again, and once again, it's shifting the blame somewhere else. This wasn't GOG's cowardice. This is just doing the, uh, They were just doing this for gamers. And burning reviewers is one is one small thing. Burning Microsoft and Sony is another. But using gamers as your shield for giving into censorship is the most telling thing of all. When, the, uh, when this company's back is against the wall, it will drag someone else in front of it. But I'm not angry. I feel like my anger would add nothing on top of what Sony and Microsoft's lawyers are capable of. Instead, I'm writing this, and I'm doing so as a reminder to myself and others to treat CD Projekt Red with complete skepticism in the future. We should uh, default to the assumption that the company is hiding something. That's the best way to insulate yourself against companies that behave like CD Projekt Red. So... After all of that, I, I know that was really, really long, but I was completely and utterly impressed by that article by Jeff that he wrote. And I think it really nails the, you know, really hits the nail on the head with a lot of things um, and kind of encapsulates the whole just story around this game. You know, it, it really just sets the table for just what the fuck is going on with this game, you know, and after such, such, such a positive response to The Witcher 3, and I mean, really, before that, too, the enhanced edition of The Witcher, or The uh, the Witcher 1, and then the enhanced version of that as well, then The Witcher 2 really being this cult hit on, and I wouldn't even say that, it even started to break into mainstream a little bit more on 360, with the success of the 360, you know, a lot more people were able to be playing on console, you know, then to lead to The Witcher 3, and that, to me, being really CD Projekt Red's coming out party. That was their, you know, I don't think they I don't think they envisioned this game being as much, or The Witcher 3 being as much of a hit casually with that audience as it was. But with that being their real coming out party of that leading to them, you know, and everything going on, it, it really was that uphill and just start snowballing to get to the point where they become this publicly traded powerhouse in gaming. 
But given that critical and commercial and positive response that we saw to the Witcher thing, I think just so many people had such blind faith in CD Projekt Red to even really throw out that question of, you know, what if it doesn't live up to the hype? And not even that, but just what if it's a bad game? What if it's disappointing? I just don't think people really thought that. And like, I guess like, to give my experience with the game so far, I am probably, now it's probably a little bit longer in terms of like, you know, saving and, you know, working in menus and stuff. I don't know how the timer works, but I'm like, I think like 12 hours into the game. Mm-hmm. Not that long. I mean, now granted, I've been doing a lot of mainline quests for the most part. Because I want to get... I'm one of those people that... Usually, I guess I should say. When I play an open world game like this or an open world RPG that I know is very narrative heavy, I know it's very immersive, yada yada. I want to usually play the story first or the main quest line so I don't get spoiled. I want to know what happens. I want to enjoy that. And usually when you're playing the main quest line... You don't just get the main line. You have to do some side quests. There has to be grinding or whatever. And inevitably, I go off and I do kind of get a little more ingrained in the world. And that's what happened to me with Witcher 3. I was, you know, I've now put, you know, just in one playthrough almost 100 hours into the game. So, to me, though, this game, it feels as though in many regards, this game was was completely developed by somebody else or a different development studio. Like, it's just different. It is, you know, I expected going into this. Like, when you play a Bethesda game, whether it's The Elder Scrolls, whether it's Fallout, whether it's, you know, uh, you know hopefully I'm guessing Starfield, we're going to feel that same. There's a feel to it. There is a, you know, style of writing. There's all these different things that you could tell that it is a Bethesda game. Good, bad, indifferent, you could tell. I fully expected, obviously not the same exact, you know, game or whatever, whenever I pop in of The Witcher 3. I wasn't expecting that, obviously. But I was expecting the same caliber of writing. I was expecting the same caliber of detail. And I was expecting the same caliber of polish. Now, granted, when The Witcher 3 launched in 2015... It did have a lot of issues at launch. Not to this extent, though. But I say all of this that I'm like, oh, man, they're, you know, it feels like a completely different team, you know, because the writing in general on this. And that was one of the biggest things I loved about The Witcher 3 was every character, every piece of dialogue, every quest, every design element and narrative element of that game felt like it had a purpose it wasn't just filler and it wasn't just what you find sometimes in a lot of open world rpgs like you know elder scrolls fallout whatever especially as you the newer ones that we've seen they'll be more worried about hey let's just jam all of that let's get as much in there as we can Mm -hmm. where the witcher 3 felt more in terms of its depth more vertical and i say that in there was depth there was much more depth where um, Imran Khan, he used to be a uh, he used to be one of the editors over at Game Informer, in uh, a senior you know news uh, news writer over at Game Informer. Now does stuff for kind of funny and uh, a bunch of different sites. He's done some PR stuff now, but 
he made the comment that has really stuck with me when describing this game. Cyberpunk's world is very big. Mm-hmm. It's dense, but it's not vertical. It's not there's not depth to it. It's wide. There's a lot in it, but it feels much more like it feels much more in line with a Fallout or a Skyrim-specific Elder Scrolls game, even a Grand Theft Auto, than a Witcher, an actual RPG experience, Um, which sucks. And, you know, that's not what I was expecting. And to be fair, sometimes with, you know, open-world games, if there isn't purpose and it is kind of just content for content's sake and, you know, there's a lot to do and it can feel overwhelming at times... I do want a little more linearity and I do want access to more of the storytelling aspect. I do want to see the main quest line, yada, yada. So when I heard that the main quest line of the game was only going to take, you know, between 20, 25 hours, I wasn't completely like, Oh my God, that's horrible. I'm like, okay, like it's a little streamlined, but that's could be a good thing at times to me. This shows and to me now playing this game, there's parts of this game that, just felt like it was so just it it leans all into the story of it leans all into this narrative of this game was not ready to come out so many things feel rushed so many pieces of dialogue feel rushed but then there's times that are core story elements and that's why i say it's so hard to just encapsulate this game it's so hard to actually put a you know is this game bad Mm -hmm. no it's not bad by any stretch of the magic there are things in this game that are fucking fantastic like i mean fucking fantastic the detail on some of the characters the of and when we're talking main characters some of the writing and dialogue from them is fucking fantastic and you know listeners i'm sure if you are playing this game or whatever you know pan am like she her character she is hands down going to be the i'm i'm having this i'm having this big when i'm playing this game you could romance characters. I'm having this big conflict that there's Judy who handles a lot of what's called the brain dances, which are these like detective esque, you know, crime scene CSI type of things that you can go in and inspect uh, different crime scenes and break down uh, things within your head. She could take you there like through technology in your head to reenact a lot of this stuff. I'm really friendly with her. I dig her character a lot. But then I met Pan Am and going on her missions with it with the nomads. It's it's really conflicting. I'm like, I don't know which one of you that I want to you know wife up here, but both of you are really fucking compelling. And I had the same feeling with within The Witcher with a couple of characters like that. So there's hints of this game that I'm like, you could see that this game was. You saw where the vision was, but. I just think this game got far too ambitious for what the target it had and they were too afraid to back down from it. This game, I'm so thankful I'm playing on PC. I fully recommend nobody play this game on console. I've seen enough already where I haven't played on console and I'm fucking glad I canceled my pre-order for console and played on PC. PC, totally different story. If you want to jump in now, it's a fucking excellent game in terms of, you know, being an open world game. I still think it does a lot of things better than a Bethesda open world game, but 
Not that much. And I don't think that this, this is much more, this game where it was being touted as, hey, this is a game that is going to, this is the next generation of open world video games. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's the greatest hits of open world video games for where we're at right now. It's not next gen, it's current gen. Yeah. But it's pushing these next gen ideas that just don't get there. So, and I know that's kind of like all over the place. I'm just spit firing a lot of stuff. I, 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 it's good enough that I want to see this game to the end. I'm enjoying parts of it, but at the same time, sometimes while I'm playing it, I am looking at my phone. I am like, yeah, maybe I want to play some CSGO. Maybe I want to go play, you know, something else. Maybe I want to go watch a movie like where, like I said, I'm only maybe 12 hours into this game in terms of my game clock on my save file. I fully expected by this point, I was going to be like 30 or something like that. Like I would have the main quest line. I was ready to sink into this game over the weekend and I just didn't. And, and that's okay. You know, perspective happens. I come back. I mean, fuck, it took me four times to love truly like get hooked to the Witcher. And it's one of my favorite games of this generation easily. I mean, head and shoulders above so many others. And I love high fantasy. So like it took a while for me to get into that, which sucked, you know, cause it should be a game I'm instantly in love with, but Man, it's just, it's such a weird game. So, you know, Mike, I guess I want to kick it over to you. Somebody who has really been looking at this from the outside. Somebody who has said, you know, hey, I want to play this game. But you kind of saw the writing on the wall and you were like, I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait. I have a, you have pretty much the same PC I have for the most part. You know, yeah. you will be able to run this game totally fine. Ultra settings, 1080p, like you'll, it'll blow it out of the wire. It's great. You know. But hearing all this discourse around this game, hearing all the things of them basically doubling down and saying like, you know, oh, we're sorry. It's like Jeff kind of said, it's not, hey, we fucked up. We're sorry. We want to we want to earn your trust back. This is what we're going to do to earn your trust back. We will figure this out. It's more, hey, sorry, we got caught type of things. It's like the person who cheats that's just like, and they get caught. It's like, no, you're sorry because you got caught. It's like, clearly you knew this game wasn't ready on console to come out. And that is going to be your broad audience for this game. Specifically the, you know, English version of this game, I would have to say. You know, being North America, being primarily console-based, even, you know, if we're talking south of the border from the U.S. in, you know, Mexico, and even as you head in South America, it's primarily starting to get more console based Europe and, you know, heading over to Europe and Asia and things like that. That's obviously much more PC based, but point being like a vast, large majority, we're talking even the PS4 alone, hundred plus million consoles out there who are wanting to buy this game for that console. Even if it's like a fucking, you know, fourth of that, that's a lot of fucking people who are going to be buying this game. Like, you know, to dupe that many people, it feels like, I mean, IGN gave the console version a four out of 10 on PS4 and Xbox one. So I guess Mike, somebody who wants to play this game has a vested interest in playing this game and wanting to experience this game and this game checking a lot of boxes for you, but is waiting, you know, what stands out to you most about the launch of cyberpunk 2077, you know, really on both sides of the plate, you know, with the conversation really surrounding this game being as dense and critical, which is, good we should have this critical conversation about this game good bad and different we sh- everyone should hear it all how much does this impact cd project red's reputation moving forward you know will people second guess you know 
the already confirmed next entry in The Witcher that, you know, they've talked about it's happening eventually, you know, when that releases in the next fucking decade or two, you know, could Cyberpunk 2077 have a legitimate redemption arc like No Man's Sky or CD Projekt were really destined to be the next Blizzard, I guess is what I'm starting to envision this being, you know, being once, hey, we're known for our quality and consumer-friendly practices and yada yada, to no longer being viewed as transparent. Hey, we're just the cash cow. We're just going to make stuff that we know you'll pay for, and we're going to charge you out the nets for it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was someone who, like, I was really excited for this game. I was hyped mm -hmm. for it. I was hoping that it was going to deliver, but this is a game that is the poster child for, like, over-promise, under-deliver. It's just something that things were being said about this game before... I mean, you're talking about naughty, like, pre-alpha builds of this game getting touted as, like, guaranteed game of the decade. Like, no mm -hmm. matter when it comes out, best game of the decade. It'll yeah. be the best game of, of whenever it comes out. It's the best. Like, people were, like, basically crowning this this game the best game of all time. And it, you know, wasn't even in any type of build shape. Did they give you, like, a vision? Did they tell you what they were trying to do? Absolutely. But it's something that it feels like they really bit off, you know, obviously a lot more than they could chew. Mm -hmm. And it felt like they realized, like you said, they got their hand, their hand was caught in the cookie jar and they realized that they were, they were, you know, up a Creek without a paddle here and they didn't have a choice, but to try to like basically, you know, lie or deceive their way through it because, you know, them themselves were talking about how legendary this game was going to be. And then it, it releases underwhelmingly. And mm -hmm. from my point of view, you know, I'm sad because this felt like a game that was going to come out at a decent time during quarantine when, you know, people need a reason to stay home. It'll make it a lot easier during the winter winter time if you had something to just sink some time into. But mm -hmm. more and more, I've he heard a lot more people with your kind of sentiment or with the sentiment of they're just not even, you know, they're not even buying the game like me, which, you know, one of the reasons why I don't want to buy this game, why I didn't buy the game is like, my $60 or whatever is, you know, there's a lot of games out there that want my $60 mm -hmm. and you have to prove to me that you, that you deserve it. And this game, you yeah. know, I was waiting to see because it was something that like you hear all this talk about and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have to see, you know, if, if, if this is really, this is really what's, what's going on here. You know, you kind of have to see if it's, if it's a, if it's legitimate mm -hmm. or if it's overhyped and, you know, unfortunately, it's overhyped, but I do feel like it's 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 a it's basically almost like equal fault. Like to me, it's like it's the consumer's fault in a way that like consumers are to blame for Call of Duty and EA's transgressions because you just enable them by continuously buying their shit. Mm -hmm. And this is something that like there is no reason that people should have been buying this game. In a, or at least in a rush to buy this game, especially in the previous console. Now, if you had a PC like we have, or if you have a top-of-the-line PC, like, absolutely, you should have given this game a whirl. Like, you know, mm. you had heard from reviewers that, like, everyone was playing on PC. So, you know, you get that. You get that chance. You get that game. Uh, whatever. But all of the faults that it has on console is, like, hard to ignore. And the fact that they're willingly, you know, just throwing other people under the bus to try to, like... Basically, it's just shady business. It's mm -hmm. basically what it comes down to is it's a shady business dealing by saying, like, we won't refund you the game out of our pocket, but Microsoft and Sony sure can't afford that. And it's just bullshit. Like, 
ever since CD Projekt Red has gone public, it feels mm-hmm. like they have been going, they've been backpedaling and backpedaling and backpedaling. And it's a shame because you feel like they should have had unlimited budget. Like they should have been able to make what they wanted to happen, happen. And it's just not, not coming, coming to fruition for them yet. And like you said, maybe there's a chance that this game over time will be good, but mm. it, it's nothing is ever going to change the letdown that this game was released because of the hype that came with it. You know, everyone, like I said, and a, a bit ago, like everyone was crowning this game, the best game of all time before it even dropped. And, you know, it releases as a stinker and it is what it is. Um, maybe like, maybe it'll get updated and fixed, but it's just never going to like, for me, like, people might like no man's sky but mm-hmm. i've never given it you know i've never given it the time of day not even really the time of day per se but i've never given it like a real chance because it's like the game sucked so bad now it's a year old before it can even get fixed like mm-hmm. how close are they to one little update away from breaking the entire thing again because things like that happen in coding ask the 343 team with mcc they made a good version of mcc and then next thing you know it's like it's like, boom, you know, the game gets broken by a stupid thing, especially on Xbox. It was like they tried to make a hit reg update thing and it just broke the entire game's frame rate. So it's just like when you're patchworking something together like that and you're just putting Band-Aid over Band-Aid over Band-Aid, it's only a matter of time before something rips all of that off and all of your work's undone. And that's kind of what I'm concerned with with this game in general was like. I think that once you start updating and fixing the game, you're going to make other bugs. And the game is just so big. It's going to be impossible to be like without bugs. Like that's something that everyone knows. Like there's game, there's, there's bugs in games. Like even oblivion still has bugs. Like you can get stuck behind the door of a wall and jump. And when you jump, you actually like no clip and fall through the map. Like Mm -hmm. that's just a bug that happens even to this day. And it's like something that's such, it's like a rarity to where, they don't really want to fix it or they don't bother fixing it because there's a chance that they break something else when they go to fix that. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. I think there's, you know, chance for this game to get to a reasonable state, but I don't know that I'll be along for the ride anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think you, you brought up an excellent, excellent, excellent point that I was actually going to i i was going to bring it up or you know a little bit earlier but i wanted to wait because i had a feeling you would probably bring it up and we could have a you know a conversation about it i really really think you know the whole capitalist mentality has now taken over cd project right especially now since they become a or cd project group i should say the parent company of uh the red development team ever since they went public And I think for a studio that specifically on the studio end, one that was, has always been really known for, Hey, we are consumer friendly. We're transparent, but more so we are consumer friendly. We are, Hey, here's, here's the Witcher. uh, Hey, here's the Witcher three. Here is all this free content you're getting. We're going to do some paid DLC, but speaking from experience, the paid DLC at the end of the day is as long, if not a little bit longer than the first or the actual main game, like main mm-hmm. quest line. Like you get a fuck ton. They gave you basically three games at the end of the day, like between the base version of the game, Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine. But since then, we've seen 
And since that really, that magnitude of success that The Witcher 3 had, propelling them to this state that, I mean, they're a studio now that has well over, you know, a thousand employees. I think they have like 1,100, 1,200 employees that they're at a point now where it's, they are now what they used to almost be the antithesis of. They are now, mm-hmm. they are now big corporate. They are big corporate in Poland now. I mean, ever since they were listed, you know, I, I think it was like 2017, 18, something like that. Like they listed themselves on the Warsaw Stock Exchange and saw, you know, massive, massive amounts of money come their way. And since then, and I think since the success of The Witcher and knowing how hyped this game was, they rested on their laurels almost and they got cocky. And that's just me being like honest and calling it how it is. Like, I still love the games that they put out. I love The Witcher 3 and I'm having, I'm still having a good time with this game. Like, as much as I'm like, you know, man, I'm, and I I don't want to use disappointed because I wasn't expecting this thing to like fucking pay my mortgage or anything like that. But I was expecting to a degree, you know, an experience that, wasn't necessarily like any other open world game for where we're at with open world games. I wanted to see a game that from a development studio that clearly took notes going from the Witcher two to the Witcher three and took notes on what the state of open world RPGs was at that time and said, okay, all of that. Yeah. We're going to change. We're going to build upon, you know, we see all the flaws right now. We're going to work on fixing those flaws into our game. And The Witcher 3 is a dense game, and it's not necessarily something anybody can jump into, but when you do, it's worth, it's worth you know, powering through and getting to it. But this seemed like such a more... Cyberpunk has always seemed like such a more casual entry point for everybody, for the casual gamer, for anybody and their grandmother could go and, like, jump into this game and not worry about oh, I need to know all of this lore from six different books that have been published already, where this is just seen like, this in general has, you know, the cyberpunk aesthetic alone really, I think, houses much more of a casual audience to begin with, and you're bringing in more people and whatnot. But it's always just seemed like since they went public, knowing how much people were ready for this game, they rest on the lore, their laurels. But at the same time, like, I believe they're still the majority owners. Like, they're public, but they still own the majority of their stocks. Like, fifty-one, at least 51%. Yeah, it's like 51%. So, really, at the end of the day, they're self-publishing this game. Before, mm-hmm. uh, before it was originally WB, the same... Uh, I know at one point, I, I'm pretty sure WB was publishing... Uh, cyberpunk as well but for sure the witcher 3 wb published it but i i know they're self-publishing this game now who are they answering to yeah some of their stockholders but if they're not the majority owners then they're the one who really has the final say at the end of the day if they want to delay the game they can delay the game and now they're saying coming out and saying like we're gonna do whatever it takes to fix this game cost isn't an issue like we'll pay what it takes to fix this game well, why didn't you pay what it took to make sure this game came out? I would much rather, and I'm sure I feel very confident in saying, given what we know now in hindsight being 2020, if fucking you would have came out and said, hey, guys, you know what? And I'm talking even in April of this year, you say it, or September of this year when it was delayed to. Coming out and saying, 
hey, we're delaying the game until April 2021. It's not ready to go. Our mantra with this game, with this game, with the first legitimate trailer you put out saying coming when it's ready. Fucking live up to that, dude. Like the game's not ready. It's not ready for the vast majority of your audience or a large fucking chunk of it. Like it's not ready. And that's somebody who's playing on PC on the best possible way to play this right now in terms of the game fucking working. It's not ready. The amount of bugs I'm still facing, it's not ready. Granted, sometimes it's just laughable stuff. Sometimes it is. Fuck, I got to exit my game out and start it back up. Like, it's just yeah, not... But who wants to constantly do that? Right. It's not... The game's just not fucking ready. And that's it, that's what's disappointing about this. I don't think the game itself is bad, personally. I don't think it's a bad game by any stretch. I want to see it to the end. I'm having fun with, you know, some of the things I do. It's not... It's not completely transforming and evolving open world video games, nor RPGs. It feels much more, like I said, more Grand Theft Auto than Witcher 3 and or, you know, Elder Scrolls or anything like that. But at the same time, like, I'm still having a great time playing it to all of its flaws. And I think that's what they know they have a good game there. It's just not fucking ready. And they're just trying to like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to put it out. Clearly, 8 million people digitally paid for this fucking game before it was even out. Pre-ordered it. 8 million fucking people. So they just knew, we're going, to, we're going to instantly make our money back if we release this game now, no matter what. We'll fix it on the background. And that's fucking bullshit. I mean, it is. It's in the half-baked apologies with it. You know, I, I, love, I love the work that this team has put out. And it's, I guarantee it's not the development staff. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the designers. It's not... It's management. It's the yep. executive level that is saying, fuck this, we're putting this game out here. Oh, it's not ready. I, you know, Textures aren't going to look great on this. Uh, load times are horrible. The, the base version, which how we've talked about before, you have to develop your game for the base version first and foremost because that is the, that is the common denominator. That is what everyone is going to have at bare minimum to play this game. Develop it for that. Build it up. Make it scalable. You didn't do that. Because the game runs at 15 fucking frames on an Xbox and on a PlayStation. On, yeah, I... On, on, the, on the, you know, PS4 and Xbox One. It runs like I, dog shit. I think, you know, you've brought up, you know, a lot of good qualms. And, you know, for someone who doesn't have it, you know, I've just been kind of watching from afar. But, you know, I, I think if I was to just, like, kind of put, put it to rest... Um, mm-hmm not the entire discussion, but at least my opinion on it is like, you know, you, you said some really good things like, Oh, when it's ready, you know, you said you were going to wait till it was ready. Obviously you didn't do that. I think the, something that comes to mind is like, what, like I know with RPG games, it's not as easy as just like doing a beta or something Mm -hmm. of of that sort. But at some point it's like, clearly you didn't have enough testers or you didn't do the right thing um, when it comes to, you know, quality control mm-hmm. and this is something that i think the guys at 343 really need to take note of in other multiplayer games you have the opportunity to release it in beta form mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to get the raw feedback from a sheer numbers point of view because you know i think one of the things that this might expose going forward is either a how poorly um testers are paid because i know testing gigs are really underpaid and very bad mm-hmm. and then like how much money is actually being spent in quality control? Clearly there's not an nearly enough being spent in quality control when it comes to video games, because you should be having a lot of either, 
I know with RPGs, it's kind of hard to do it like a beta thing because then you're giving some of your game away. And that's something that a lot of RPG, a lot of studios that develop RPGs like to keep is like, you know, the, the mysticism behind the game and, and all that stuff. And I get that. And, you know, it's your baby and you want to keep it in there till it's ready and, you know, do that. But, you know, any game that has a multiplayer or is releasing with multiplayer needs to take this as a note that say, you know, this team didn't do this. We have the opportunity to make it right mm-hmm. with our game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's that's where you just need to look is this game wasn't properly tested. And mm-hmm. a lot of games come out and they're not properly tested. They're not paying testers the right amount of money. They're not getting enough testers. If you have 8 million people that pre-order your game and you know they're going to be downloading it, especially night of, you have to think here, out of those 8 million people, what is the realistic number of bugs if, if one player, you know, has one bug, what percentage is acceptable? A hundred? Because that's what it seems like it was. So now 100% of the players have been exposed to at least one bug. Mm-hmm. Now, how about two? How about three? How about game-breaking bugs? That's the kind of shit that these studios don't take into consideration. When you're releasing this game to 8 million people on release night, 8 million downloads, you know, eight or 8 million pre-orders, excuse me. Mm-hmm. You have 8 million people. How many people do you really want to pick up your game and say, wow, you know, this game's kind of shitty because a majority of them did that. Yeah. And it's like, how embarrassing is that? You have one of the, you've been sitting there pounding your chest. Oh, we'll release this game when it's ready. It's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And then you just fall flat on your face. Yeah. And it's, it sucks for everyone involved, especially, you know, like you said, the designers and the devs. It's 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 embarrassing for them and it's embarrassing for the company as a whole and it sucks for the consumers that they're stuck with a bill trying to get refunds. But you know, I just think everyone, including CD Projekt Red with The Witcher, needs to take a long hard look at how they're doing quality control because this kind of shit just can't happen. It mm. just can't. With the amount of money that's being spent on budgets for games nowadays, it's not four people in a basement making games, you know, making Doom. It's not a small dev team with, you know, after work getting drunk and, and building a game like these, like you said, 1100 employees at CD project red. These are million multi-million dollar undertakings that we're seeing. And they're just pissing it away by not taking the proper steps or taking the proper time to make sure the game's good. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And it's, 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 it's sad to see, but I'm not completely shocked. Because, once again, we're in this space of large-scale, third-party AAA gaming. And to be honest, and not to you know be hyperbolic, but it seems like CD Projekt Red is just like the rest. And it is the dollar first, and that's the dollar kept and not given to anybody else except the top 1% of it. And the total capitalist mentality that is going on. So... I, I'm st- like I said, there's a lot to like about the game. I'm still enjoying it. It's not blowing my socks off, but it's something I'm excited to see the future of this game and see where it goes and whatnot. But only time will tell and we'll see if they put their money where their fucking mouth is because eh, I'm not holding my breath. But knock on wood, maybe we will see it. But Mike, let's move on to our second news story because <laughs> we're getting a little long in the tooth. Um, but I wanted to spend a lot of time on that, obviously being our big topic, obviously being the biggest topic in gaming this past week. But 
Another big topic, though, in the world of Xbox, it's exciting. New Perfect Dark announced from the initiative. This comes from Joe Scrapples over on IGN. As always, link in the description. Mysterious Xbox Super Studio, the initiative, has revealed its first game, a brand new Perfect Dark. Revealed at the Game Awards 2020, the initiative described its, it as a first-person shooter with a, quote, eco-sci-fi theme. No gameplay was shown, but a cinematic trailer was revealed to set the stage of its world and conflict. And an official blog post said it's, quote, aiming to deliver a secret agent thriller set in a near-future world. In an extended introductory video, game director Dan Noonberg described it as a reinventioning of the franchise, saying, quote, There really isn't a game out there that's hitting that sort of blockbuster secret agent vision. The trailer indicates that original protagonist protagonist joanna dark will be returning as the main character here no date or release window was announced a new perfect dark has been rumored for some time with xbox previously downplaying the creation of a perfect dark twitter account that looked to have been created by a microsoft email address however a fable account made at around the same time was subsequently used for the upcoming sequel the initiative was announced at E3 2018 and has since hired staff from the likes of crystal dynamics bungie naughty dog and more the Perfect Dark blog post says that the studio tried to bring, quote, some of the most talented game makers from around the industry who all share a passion for storytelling, world building, and creating memorable game experiences for Perfect Dark. Head of Xbox Phil Spencer has previously teased the initiative was working on, quote, new things and old things. So while I think this is super exciting personally, and I think that... There is a lot to like about this. I don't think even it's... you've also been pretty much calling this since like the dawn of the initiative. Yeah, you might not have said that the initiative is 100% doing this, but you want 10,000% another one of these games is coming out. Yeah, and, and I think there was far too much smoke for there not to be a fire. Um, like just straight up Smokey the Bear standing over there, be like, <laughs> Bud, there's a fucking forest fire over there. Like, and people be like, ah, I don't know. Like, no, it's <laughs> it's clearly that they've been. A lot of people were 99% sure from sources and different things like that. But it's great, though, that it didn't leak out ahead of time. And that's one thing I am really excited about because, like we'll talk about in our next news article before we wrap up the show, leaks suck. So I don't – and the only thing – the only people that hurts is not only the fans who lose out on that moment of, holy shit, that's what that is, like that hype moment, that reveal that is part of the whole marketing process, but – the studio too loses out on that. Fuck. Like we wanted to, we wanted to get people hyped about this. We're, you know, the people that make these fucking games, especially in the development and need to realize the, or the people who play games need to realize the people who are making these games, the actual people making them, you know, maybe not at the NBA toting, you know, executive level of publishing arm, who knows, you know, knock on wood, Phil Spencer out there plays games, but the people making these games are fucking fans as well. They love gaming. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be working in gaming if that wasn't the case, especially on the development end. So they want you to be hyped about this game because they're hyped about this game. They want to make a good game. So point being anyways, you know, I think it's super exciting personally, but like we were saying, I don't think it's this completely unexpected given the rumor mill surrounding this game. But the choice of Perfect Dark, I kind of want to talk about to be the initial IP that the initiative will tackle is pretty interesting nonetheless. You know, Mike, do you think, you know, does Perfect Dark have the weight as an IP to really potentially be a pretty pivotal franchise for Microsoft moving forward, a real tentpole given their you know need of not only first-party IP and these exclusives that we've seen Sony run off with the past year or the past console generation, 
you know, does this, could it really be a tentpole for that, for Microsoft to lean on potentially alongside Halo and whatnot? You know, what do you think makes Perfect Dark the right choice to tackle for this new quad A studios, they like to call it, over an original IP? You know, how do you think the initiative will really evolve the first person action shooting genre with its approach to what they're calling eco sci-fi? You know, what do you just think about all this? I think, you know, when the game, when, you know, the first Perfect Dark game came out for mm -hmm. N64 and it was, you know, done by Rare and, you know, it was basically uh, an original version of GoldenEye in a shooter, you know what I mean? I feel like it was basically, the only thing that it didn't have going for it was that GoldenEye was like a box office success also. And it was like a monster, it was a monster movie and the game, honestly, like, for a game and a movie, I've never seen something complements something so perfectly as GoldenEye and the the video, like the game and the movie, right? Like, mm -hmm. I felt like those two things went hand in hand and were just so perfect. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, that's the only thing that Perfect Dark didn't have going for it to keep it behind GoldenEye if if you considered it behind GoldenEye for N64. It, it, it didn't have the it didn't have the James Bond license, period. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's a big deal. But it's also a big deal because it was still very good and it was its own original story. Yeah. And then we saw it sneak its way into the Xbox 360. And, you know, this is an IP that I think, you know, from a hardcore diehard fan, people love it, obviously. And even from a casual like viewpoint, you think about it and really think about like the only thing I really need to, to think about when I'm, when I'm debating on, you know, what's this game? What is this game going to do? How is it going to be? Is it worth, you know, mm -hmm. worth some of the hype is thinking about a game like GoldenEye and thinking what it would be like in current gen and not the shitty one they made for 360, the GoldenEye Reloaded or whatever right, that right, right. garbage was. But imagine, you know, playing a, a, a game like GoldenEye today and, mm -hmm. you know, how awesome and incredible that would be. And then I think about it and it's like, oh, well, we're going to get Perfect Dark. And I'm really curious to see what they could do there because this feels like something that could fill that, you know, Splinter Cell void that you've been looking to fill yeah. with Sam Fuck Fisher. Yeah, and this this could go so many ways. I think that's the most intriguing thing about this news is it could go to like a straight up rail shooter type game like Goldeneye and the old original Perfect Dark is. Mm -hmm. It could go to an open worldy type game, you know, like Cyberpunk was looking to accomplish or, you know, like Halo Infinite might try to accomplish. It could go to a story driven almost rpg shooting type game almost like a fallout like this game could go so many different directions i'm very curious to see what it what it will end up landing on mm -hmm. and i think what you're gonna see is you're gonna see the stealth of it played up because we're kind of missing some of that in today's day and age and if games like um you know dark souls or um you know oh what's the other game i'm thinking about shoot um uh, the Neo? one that's really not Neo, but the other one. Sekiro? Um, yeah. Like with those games being so wildly successful, clearly gamers aren't shying away from difficult experiences. So mm -hmm. I think that it's going to offer a stealth type of experience, but I also think it's going to look to fill the void that, you know, almost like Halo has missed recently where, you know, we have been playing Rainbow Six Three and Rainbow Six Rogue Spear recently. And those games are so perfect because they're just so simple mm -hmm. and sometimes less is more. And I hope that they, from a gameplay standpoint, 
I hope that the team with the initiative, and I think they will, realize that less is more. And if you're going to do something groundbreaking or new, you have to do it right, and it has to be in good taste. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're going to hit that mark very well. And I'm just excited to see where they could go because I think they could go four, five, six different ways with this game, and I'm still going to be pumped about it. There's Mm -hmm. only a few instances where I'm going to be like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Like a battle royale is gonna make me like vomit. Like I'm gonna cry. Hey, we got like we, we're definitely getting that Halo battle royale. So yeah, but like that's a different that's yeah, like a true. different beast in itself. True. Like I I can accept that Halo <laughs> makes sense. Right. But to be like oh yeah we're coming out with New Perfect Dark but it's only gonna be a battle royale like that mm-hmm. would make me sad. Yeah, like I'd like to see if they're I they may do a multiplayer component. I wouldn't be shocked if this game launches without multiplayer. Um, just for the sole fact that it's coming out on xbox game pass alone like i wouldn't be shocked if we saw this launch without multiplayer and then multiplayer Mm -hmm. added almost like we saw with um you know the last of us part two that they weren't able to get the um factions multiplayer in there that a lot of people loved from the last of us one you know they weren't they tried doing that it wasn't going to work but they kept that idea and they were very tongue-in-cheek saying it's coming. We're doing something along that lines. It's just not, we're not releasing it with the game now. So it sounds like it's coming eventually, but you know, it may be something like that, but I'd love to see like a, almost from Splinter Cell, like uh, what is it? Like uh, Mercs versus spies and stuff like that. Like, Oh yeah. That kind of stuff I would be down with. But to me, like I'm the same way, like you and while you were saying that I had to look it up because I knew it was rated very high and granted, Metacritic's pulling this off of reviews from 20 years ago now, but Perfect Dark rated 97 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, Actually higher than GoldenEye. GoldenEye was 96, but we're talking one point, you know, but it is what it is. Um, But the sole fact that I'm curious to see, like you, you brought up a good point. We're missing that Splinter Cell void right now that so many people have been clamoring for. It take me out of it, but like, just people have been asking for something along that lines because of how much Ubisoft has been, you know, in two successful degrees to a lot of people, you know, different things like a, um, you know, more service based games compared to a traditional single player experience. You know, even when you look at Assassin's Creed, it's being, you know, so many things of live service are being bundled into it with, experience and buying boosters for that and whatnot and it's like hey you know teach their own type of thing but you know to me the fact that they're microsoft is opening their pockets and saying yo here bring in who you feel is very very capable to do this like they brought in drew murray from over at insomniac games who was integral in a lot of you know, excellent titles from Ratchet and Clank, Sunset Overdrive, which was criminally underrated in my opinion, you know, like stuff like that, that they're coming and bringing into the initiative now, you know, they're bringing so many talented people into here to set the stage for this game that, you know, and Microsoft still has its backs against back against the wall to a degree. Now they bought their way in to a degree as well of the, you know, first party exclusive conversation. But at the same time, like, you know, they still do have their black backs against the wall because, you know, what from the first party end has really come out, you know, in the past year. You know, we, luckily we've got the Outer Worlds and stuff like that. But, you know, Halo Infinite was supposed to be that coming out party again for Microsoft first party games. And that didn't happen. So 
it's it's kind of still in this weird position of this that they know that these games have to hit and they have to fucking hit big because to a degree game pass will only get you so far to a degree mm-hmm. now it's still a service that's going to if they keep throwing tons of money at it and getting all these people in into this ecosystem and keeping them long term that's going to be great but they still need that first party content because not everybody is buying into subscription bases still you know it is it may be the future but we're also in the now too you can't just completely abandon casual consumers who make up a large chunk of your audience so like yep. your consumer base so you know i think the way that they're handling this the way that they're really bringing perfect dark into i don't want to say a modern because it's futuristic but like a more boots on the ground more grounded experience to a degree we're talking sci-fi and all that but you get what i'm saying it's a more gritty realistic version of a game that was much more you know hyperbolic at times with leaning into its you know almost not cartoonish but being an n64 spy game even looking at perfect dark zero on the 360 like it's still leaned into that specific art style. Like this is seeming to be more in line with, you know, a you know, naughty dog level Sony exclusive that they're trying to build here. And I'm really excited for it. I think, I don't know if the perfect dark IP has the way to do that, but I think with the right recipe, it could get there. I don't think that's mm-hmm. not possible. You know, I maybe right this second, it doesn't, you know, I don't know how many people are super nostalgic for Perfect Dark, but to a degree, there's a lot. So, you know, I, I'm just really curious to see how this kind of pans out long term that, you know, when we get that first gameplay trailer and we see how this plays, what's that what different is that going to do? What are they going to do different from so many other first person uh, immersive sims to a degree, you know, like a prey like uh dishonored like wolfenstein you know what are they going to do that sets themselves apart from that even doom to a degree so i'm really excited i'm still very excited for perfect dark i'm excited to see where they go from it more you know first party content from xbox is never a bad thing now that they're they've been investing in this so i'm really excited mike let's head into our last news article here real quick Resident Evil 8 spoiler warning after a fresh leak this comes from wesley yinpole over on eurogamer as always, link in the description. Resident Evil 8 appears to have suffered a damaging leak after screenshots and story details hit the internet over the weekend. The information, which your gamer will not detail or publish, appears to have stemmed from a development build of the game, no doubt obtained as part of the recent ransomware attack that has devastated Capcom. Capcom has so far refused to meet the ransomware attacker's demands. Screenshot, marketing plans, and story details for Resident Evil 8 are now out in the wind, which will make it increasingly difficult for fans to avoid spoilers in the run-up to the game's launch. The Capcom information breach detailed the company's upcoming game release scheduled up to the end of 2024. Capcom previously said it feared up to 350,000 items of personal information could be held by the ransomware attacks or attackers, including addresses, phone numbers, dates of birth, and photos. It's worth remembering the assets related to the supposed Resident Evil 8 uh, development build may already be outdated but it is a serious leak for capcom and it's given the likelihood for further leaks a tough time for fans who wish to hit the game or wish to hit the game unspoiled when it comes out and just a side note too capcom has officially revealed new screenshots of the game after this leak which you know probably they're back against the wall trying to make the best out of this so which 
depicts some detailed looks at some of the new enemies, like the werewolf creature that we saw out there and, you know, other, uh, some of the other enemies and whatnot. So definitely check those out. Uh, go over on Capcom's Twitter. They have all of that. But like I was saying earlier, Mike, leaks are always tough to really approach because especially with big games and big franchises like a mainstream Resident Evil title, you know, it, it hurts everybody. Devs, gamers, publishers, everybody involved with the project. It takes so much away from them just because, oh, there it's, you know, you blew your load type of thing. So that aside, though, it is good to see more official info regarding this title because holy fuck, it looks great. It looks really yeah. fucking good. Um, so I guess kind of just wanting to see where you're at or both of us really where we're at with this game right now. What are you hoping to see from village with it? Keeping the first person perspective of seven that both you and I love so much, you know, what are you hoping to see from village and does resident evil as a franchise really have the bandwidth for multiple styles of entries to, you know, to exist third person remakes, everything like that, similar to that of, you know, bigger fish in gaming, such as like Mario and Zelda who have so many different styles of games. Yeah, I think Resident Evil is really creeping up to that status of being, you know, it's getting to that that status of being legendary. Um, I do think that there might be too many, like, stinker releases, potentially, that have, like, I can't really think of a bad Mario game. I just can't, like, I can't really think of a bad Zelda game. Like, are there Zelda games that I prefer more than others? Absolutely, that's with everything. But I can't put my put my finger on something to say that's a bad game. And not that you can with Resident Evil, but like, for me, you know, I'm a huge fan of Seven. I loved Seven, and I even loved Two Remastered when I did play that for a while. Mm -hmm. I thought very highly of both of the games. And to me, um, seeing that they're going to go back to the first person, which we kind of thought and knew and speculated, mm -hmm. it, it just makes sense. The first one was so good. You have to, you know, stay with that because I felt like they were building something very special there. And you know, boat situation or not, boat situation be damned with that game. That's all the more, that's all the close, or that's all the further it was away for being a, an absolutely perfect game for me. And then the, you know, the expansions that they came out with were absolutely insane too and just awesome. So I have nothing but great things to say about Resident Evil 7. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that game with my whole heart. And I am just so thrilled to see that they're going in a similar direction with you know, the new iteration of the village. Obviously, I wouldn't, you know, be able to talk about this without saying that, you know, leaks do kind of suck because, again, it's like people have been working so hard and keeping this under wraps for so long and they really were excited to share it with the world and then, you know, it gets leaked and that's a really bummer. That's a big bummer for kind of everybody involved. But, you know, um, I just hope that, the, like this is probably about the only good thing to come from the ransomware attack for some people, I suppose. Um, mm. I would have been fine not it not being spoiled because I think anyone with, you know, a, a couple of brain cells could have figured, hey, they're probably going to go forward <laughs> with a first person. Right. It, the game just felt so much. You were so much more immersed. You were so much more into the game. You, it was so it, much more scary. You felt like you were playing a horror game in 2020. Yep. Or, you know, 2017 when it came out. You but it felt wasn't like you were like playing a modern version of a horror game. It wasn't the cliche, you know, no offense, I thought that the new Amnesia was great and I still need to finish it. Mm. But, like, you, it wasn't cliche, like, oh, you're a defenseless person and you're being, like, terrorized. Like, that's that's all well and good and that has its place and that's mm -hmm. that's cool but the little bit of ability you have to fight back was made resident evil really cool for that sense that like 
yeah, like obviously sometimes flight is better than fight, mm-hmm. but at least fighting is an option yeah. is the way I saw that. Right, exactly, hundred percent. I and the speedrunning community. I loved watching speedruns of that game oh my so God. much. Yeah, with Resident Evil, it's really dope. Even even just the remakes and whatnot. And I I picked up uh, the remake of three on Black Friday. I've yet to play it, but um, now I'm kind of kicking around the idea. I've seen it for like almost close to like fifteen bucks for Steam that I've been thinking of picking up on PC. But I digress. Um, no, I, I'm I'm as long as they keep the the feeling of seven that you said, and I agree it balanced so well, the, the having the fear of, Oh shit. Like I may have a weapon, but I'm so underpowered compared to everything else here. And almost that psychological aspect of what the fuck am I seeing right now? How am I making sense of this with the really feeling helpless at times? Like you had the power to go and fight these enemies, but at the same time, you knew they're going to wax you at any point. Like it, it balanced that, fight and flight like you were saying so well that sometimes it did pay off to hey save your bullets go and hide go do something you know different and try to approach different situations in different ways that i'm hoping they kind of take forward in this one this seems a little more expansive than the you know the the uh the uh baker estate that you saw in seven um yeah, with the village and having this whole sprawling castle and the grounds and everything like that, which I'm really excited about. I just I want for once a Resident Evil game to not just fucking. I just want them to land the plane. Like I, I thought, Seven was still good at the end. Like I didn't think it was a bad game by the time I ended it by any means. I always say it's three three fourths of this game is a perfect horror game for Seven. Yep. I personally agree, or I personally think, but they always seem to just do go too much in, lean into the wackiness and they just right at the end just just fucking just it can be a zombie game it could just be that it doesn't have to be more than that like just let it be that so um, yeah like if jack like after the second time you killed him spoiler alert sorry spoil spoiler alert for resident evil 7 anyone that hasn't played it and is interested mm-hmm. because they saw the new leak uh spoiler mm-hmm. anyway um yeah, like when you killed Jack for the second time, like that's enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like move on, do something different. There's plenty of other things to kind of tap into there. You didn't need to have to kill him a third time. Right. You know, all that goofy shit. You're I, I 100% agree with you there. You're going to lose your head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and I totally agree that I think Resident Evil is getting to that point. It, I don't think it's in obviously in that Mario Zelda echelon of games, but I mean, if we're talking top 10 franchises and video games just on weight alone, Resident Evil's up there. I mean, my God, it's been a franchise for the past, what, 24 years now, 25 yep. years almost, that it's just been dominant in what it's, it is the king of, it's still the king of stealth horror and, you know, survival horror, really. So to me, there is this room that it's a, it's a franchise that can appease so many different st- uh, types of fans and with different styles of games. So I'm just really excited to see what they put out in the future and, you know, really excited for village. It doesn't sound like it's that far off either. So knock on wood, we get this game soon because I'm really fucking excited for it, but not too soon. Take your fucking time. As we've seen this <laughs> past week, take your fucking time. <laughs> Mike, 
before we wrap it up, let's head into party chat. This is where we propose one question at the end of each week, if you're new to the show, that we want to discuss. Could be as simple as what's your favorite story beat in the game, or what have you been playing during quarantine, or could be a little more in depth as to why the negative stigma around gaming still exists. And after answering those questions ourselves, we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on a Twitter at gpgc podcast or you can email us our emails over on our twitter as well and we'll read some of those responses the following week last week's question would you rather your favorite franchise release one game a generation that is a platform with updates with new campaigns and multiplayer if applicable shorter standalone releases but that come every two years a la spider-man miles morales or the traditional release model and at tyler 8376 said i want to see more franchises especially single player experiences tackle the platform model seeing almost yearly expansion packs. Kind of interesting. I, I, I wouldn't be against that. I mean, it's it would be definitely leaving the uh, traditional model for sure. And I would want, I'm sure a lot of publish, it, it's more probably kickback on the publishing end of how we going to make money off this, but I digress. This week's question, Mike, at what point in this console generation do we see the fall of Xbox Live Gold? We've kind of talked about this before, but since we haven't seen it yet, when do you think we'll see it? And when do you think we see that package just be left behind by Game Pass Ultimate or some rebranding of just Game Pass is everything and there's no other option? I mean, we're pretty close because now I'm subscribed for the $15 a month and mm-hmm. I don't pay the yearly $60 fee like I used to anymore because there's just so much value there. I think that we're getting dangerously close to that point, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think, you know, people are going to see this model where you can just pay for Xbox Live Gold go away. And, you know, if you were going to pay eight or, you know, I don't know how much money it would have been monthly. I never did the monthly subscription version of it, but like, I think it was like, I think it was like 10 bucks a month. Like you saved, you saved, you got pretty much 50% off if you bought a year in advance. Yeah. So if you go through and you buy Game Pass Ultimate for $15 a month instead of $10 a month, you get a a ton of games in a free game catalog. Like, I think I'm going to take that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I obviously I'm going to want that over the standard, you know, um, type of Xbox Live subscription model that they have now. Like, I think it would be dumb not to go that way where you're saying, oh, I want to get. I want to get more bang for my buck comparative now, you know, and that's kind of just feeds into what really Microsoft is wanting to do right now. And I'm shocked that we haven't seen it go away yet. Like I'm really shocked that we haven't seen Xbox live just kind of fade away yet. Cause I was just clear. I was just expecting that to happen leading up to the launch of the series X. It's just welcome to game pass game Pass is everything or, you want to play online Buy game pass or Hey, fuck off. We're not doing Xbox live gold anymore. It doesn't because we're, you know, a modern video game tech company or a modern company who does, you know, online gaming in 2020. We, the cost to run this stuff is nowhere near what it used to be. We don't need that. We'll make more money off of the actual service end than you paying for a membership just to play online. Like, it just to me, like, I'm shocked that we're still at that point. And I'm talking like 
I'm, t I'm talking to you, Blizzard, with fucking World of Warcraft. Nobody should be paying to play World of Warcraft anymore. So, well, I mean, again, I, <laughs> it comes back to that discussion we were having with CD Projekt Red is like, who's more at fault? CD Projekt Red for taking advantage of consumers or consumers for allowing it to happen? Because people still religiously play World of Warcraft and subscribe. So at what point are you going to be like, hey, we're still making a ton of money True. on WoW. Oh, 100%. Why make it free? I've, I've said that in the past, too, where it's like, People still buy it, so <laughs> it is, I, you can't blame them. Uh, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you to talk about all we talked about, CD Project Red and Cyberpunk and fucking shit show that's going on with that right now. Uh, everything that we kind of went over today, where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about the video games you love? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-I-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms, including Twitter at Travelus underscore. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you could do so for on Xbox Live and just regular old Travelus. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, raise, review us, all that jazz wherever you get a podcast set, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show video games like and our dope giveaways with that being said mike that's going to do it for our episode this week thank you everyone so much for listening sharing and being a part of our growing community game on wash your fucking hands listen to the doctors black lives matter and we will see you next week